0: Welcome to NHASCD Spotlight. It's our podcast from the New Hampshire Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development. My name is Bill Carosa, Executive Director. We're joined today by Lucy Canota. She's the Director of Elementary Education in the Timberlane School District and President of NHASCD. Hi, Lucy. How are you?
1: I'm well this morning. Phil, how are you?
0: i'm great thanks for taking time out from your your busy day before we get to our main guest today i want to remind listeners of our professional development series uh this year a few things we have a lot going on uh, in fact we'll talk in a minute about our math series uh, w- uh in cooperation with the new hampshire uh, teachers of mathematics (NHTM). but before we do that let me introduce our guest today our guest is Annalise record a well-known new hampshire math educator writer and consultant Uh, Annalise has been in the field for 22 years as a K-5 math coach. She's been an adjunct faculty member at Plymouth State University, uh, a Bureau of Education and Research presenter. Currently, she's an independent elementary math consultant providing customized PD. She's a contributing author of the books, "The Fluency Doesn't Just Happen with Addition and Subtraction, and the upcoming book, Fluency Doesn't Just Happen with Multiplication and Division, seems to be a a combination of fluency books there. Uh, Annalise has worked with schools throughout the country, presented nationwide and for an NCTM. And she's a member of the NHTM board. And they're partnering with us for uh, Peter Luzerdahl, a webinar in November and our K-8 uh, math conference in March. Annalise, how are you today?
2: I'm doing fabulous. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it, it, we were talking about Disney before we went on, too. So I should have mentioned that you are a major Disney World traveler. You, you said you've been 50 times or something.
2: Oh yeah, over 50 times at this point. We don't get tired of it. It's our happy place.
0: <laughs> Do you look for math references when you visit Disney?
2: I, I can't say that math is everywhere, but
0: <laughs> that's very true. I figured you might you might say that. Well, coming up, we we thought we would really uh, work with our local, our partners with uh, the New Hampshire Teachers of Mathematics for our sort of math flavored series um, this year. Uh, First of all, coming up on November 21 and 22, uh, we have Peter Luzedal building thinking classrooms for really grades K to 12. It's two days. It's a webinar. It's live, but, um, you know, not in person, but uh, we're sponsoring that uh, again coming up in November you uh, have a lot of love for Peter's work, and in fact, I know he has influenced your consulting. Um, talk about that uh, before we go any farther, Annalise.
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things when you when you read a book or something, and it resonates so deeply within you <laughs> that you just feel like you're a changed person. And I feel like I become a changed educator after reading the culmination of all his research. His research has been happening for over uh, you know twenty years. But it just resonates so deeply with me because I I so want, you know, the, the major reason why I do what I do is to build math identities, not only in our students, but in the teachers as well. I, I find a lot of uh phobia with math, with particularly the primary grade level teachers that I work with. They just don't like math. They're like, I'm out. If I show them a fraction, they go pale. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just this really phobic thing with them. So I want but I want everyone to know that everyone can learn math. It's just that you're probably taught in a way that not your brain could learn so you then began thinking you weren't a math person and didn't have the math brain which is not true so it's about building the math identities and the agencies that people that the, that the kids you know believe in themselves that they can figure things out like that disposition of I might not know this but I can figure it out for you and so the the, the content for where we're um, having our students learn understanding conceptually, what the concepts are, but then also the math practices of how do we want our students engaged in the learning of math? We want them problem-solving and persevering. We want them reasoning, modeling their thinking, using structure, looking for patterns, using math manipulatives, right? Um, the precision in, in their vocabulary, articulating their thoughts. And all of that is what we want in our, our classrooms, K12, no matter what the content is. And when I began reading Peter's book, I'm like, this brings all of this together. It builds and the equity piece being super important that every single student gets access to an equally rigorous experience of math experiences, right? And too often I have seen like ability groups or uh, things that where kids are sorted by and labeled, they're talked about as colors of red, yellow, green, and blue, as opposed to where is that child on the research-based learning trajectories of their thinking and reasoning? And, And then we can move them forward on that journey and not labeling kids high or low. Like we all have, A place in our classrooms and too often the kids that aren't fast and accurate begin feeling that they're not a math person they're not welcome in the math classroom and so so much of my work in the ability thinking classrooms that kids it equalizes it we have randomized groups of three kids and we're not doing any thinking about the grouping there's not i want a high and a low like that all goes away it's about every child knowing they have something to contribute to the conversation they learn from each other they focus we're building their agency because the kids are, are going from the accountability of what happens usually in traditional classrooms into responsibility for their own learning and building their identity and agency. And it just is, uh, it's been life changing for me. And in the districts that I consult with, as I bring that in, you know, when people ask me all the time, like, what do we do to help these gaps in our kids' learnings are all over the place? But they've always been all over the place. I mean, I had a classroom in fifth grade where my kids were, the spectrum was all over the place. But this is my answer, like building thinking classrooms. When they are problem solving, get them in randomized groups of three. They're standing up, working at non-permanent vertical surfaces. They're working on rich tasks worth solving that have multiple pathways to get to an answer or maybe even multiple answers, right? It turns everything on its head of what kids think that math classroom is to shock their systems into, oh, wait, like I have to think and not just mimic what my teacher is showing me how to do. Right, like it's it incorporates everything that I believe is important with math education, and and particularly at the elementary level, I love bringing it to the elementary level because it is K twelve. It's not limited.
1: Yeah, Annalise, can you talk a little bit more about that elementary level? Um, You certainly have dug into Peter's work a lot more than I have, and I, I had happened to see him in a keynote conference and was really engaged by that, having been a middle school math teacher and then an elementary teacher, but thinking about how you would engage teachers in sort of getting into his work at the elementary level because there's a lot of independence required of some of the things that he puts out. How do you support teachers in jumping into that?
2: Well, typically what I do is um I will be like at a school for a day and I'll have, I'll be in like a library or a main classroom where there not may not even be any tables and chairs because their kids are going to be standing up anyway. Um, and a classroom will come in and i will launch the tasks so when we launch the tasks it's standing up it is um launching it verbally so it's not like it's a word problem with on paper pencil you just launch it like a story and then you have i have uno cards to randomize the kids and they go to the whiteboards um and then they begin working and we are facilitating just like learning and seeing the thinking of the kids so the teachers are immediately seeing this just in action and i can't tell you how many people some teachers will come in and will say My students can't do this. And then we proceed to watch their kids do it. Right? First graders. (laughs) And so I'm like, just wait a minute. Let's just see what happens. (laughs) But what I do is uh, typically uh, a K-3, I like a task called the farmer task where uh, there's a farmer who only owns chickens and cows. And uh, she looks out a window one day and sees 12 animal legs. What could she be looking at? And then the kids get to work right? But you're willing, you're able to see, because they're on the vertical surfaces, you're able to see the thinking of the kids immediately. There's no like paper pencil on a desk where you can't see it. Like it's making it visible, all the thinking of the kids. And you can watch the trajectory of kids who count everything. They're in the counting all phase of reasoning right now. So they label every leg of each of the animals up to, let's say, 12 legs I do for uh, K1. For two, three, I do 24 legs. Um, but you watch the trajectory of counting all into repeated addition, into the skip counting multiples, into multiplication. And it's not in each grade level. I saw a kindergartner write six times two is 12. And I said, Hey, tell me about that. He's like, Well, there, he said, what? I said, What's the six? Well, there are six chickens. And what's the two? Well, it's the number of legs they each have. So they have, it must be six chickens that she saw, right? So a kindergartner, and then his teacher said to me, I didn't know he thought like that, right? The building thinking classrooms way of providing rich tasks like this opens the door to liberate the kids to think. Because a, a Peter phrase, it liberates them to think, and it liberates us to be able to see the thinking of the kids. Because too often we're like assigning them the worksheet of the day, and these and kids are compliant; they do what we ask them to do. But nothing is asked on that typical textbook workbook page that shows flexibility of thinking in a variety of ways to represent our thinking and it opens this door to like, holy cow. But I've also seen third graders in the counting all phase of reasoning, right? It's just about us learning about the kids and I'm in no way saying kids are high or low or anything. That's where they are in their math journey. So I think that having teachers witness that first, they're like, oh, like, okay, where do I get these non-permanent vertical surfaces? <laughs> I need this in my life. <laughs> right? um, and I'm able to show in my presentation to teachers too as I, as I share it you know, images of the work of kids. And that's what I think is so important is the what is the thinking of the kids. And too often they're being reduced to a RIT score. You know, they're this number and this is this color. And so you're going to go into an intervention because you're red. And it's like, but what's their thinking? What can they do? How can we build on their what they can do to connect it to what we want them to learn? That's what our job is, is facilitating those journeys of all of our kids, right? So- yeah, I think it's about showing teachers this in action and they're like, oh, I, I need this in my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I certainly love the math journey and and seeing the thinking of students to move them forward as opposed to right delivering that information. But I also hear this uh, sort of line through that of reinvigorating teachers and getting teachers really excited and in the culture that we're in mm-hmm. right now, how wonderful for teachers to feel. That this is something new that they, you know, can really grab onto and, and are passionate about.
2: You know, I I totally, having been a classroom teacher for 13 years, uh, grade five, um, I was up in Berlin and um and then I was a math coach for four years. I've been there when like, here's, and I, I began a very passionate kind of rose-eyed glasses beginning. And, but, and the more veteran teachers are like, hang on, Annalise, this is going to go away. These things go, they come and they go. There's the current bandwagon, right? I don't think this goes away. This is embedding all of the best math practices to provide equity for every single child to become uh, embedded in rich mathematical experiences. So Peter has said, it become it's become trite for us to say, all kids can learn math, right? It, it almost sounds like, even though I believe it, he says, it, it sounds trite. But he, what he says now is when given the opportunity with rich mathematical experiences, every child can think mathematically, right? Everyone has something to provide the group and that diversity is where the strength comes from. Um, And every child knows that they have something to say, which is why it's visibly randomized groups. If you don't do it visibly, the kids don't believe you. They know you've sorted them by high, medium, low. When you do it visibly with randomized UNO cards, they know like, oh, she believes that I have something to offer as equal as anybody else, right? So it's such such a powerful transformation of the classroom. And I have witnessed that over and over again with classroom teachers um, that try this, that, you know, that, that try to implement this in their classrooms. And then they're just like, it's just you can't go back once you've experienced this.
0: So Peter Liljadal clearly has given you even more passion for uh, mathematics. And I think an awful lot of people out there, we hear his name constantly in the math uh, world. But in addition to that, we have a a larger conference, an in person conference coming up March 22nd, again sponsored with uh, the New Hampshire Teachers of Mathematics, uh, featuring Steve Linewand, who's very well known, uh, Kristen Hilty, Graham Fletcher, Carolyn Worcester and Kevin Mahoney, again March 22nd, and the Grappone. I should say you can sign up today at newhampshireascd.org. I'll remind people of that many times. Annalise, of those speakers, I, I know you've you've worked or at least you've been influenced, I think, by Graham Fletcher anyway, and somewhat maybe mm-hmm. by Steve Line to talk about that a little bit and encourage people to sign up You know, for that conference coming up in the spring.
2: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to be there as well. I can't wait. I, I think that's so I'm so excited. I mean, having been on the New Hampshire Teachers of Math board, I'm the elementary rep, um, you know, to know that your organization exists and you're putting on a math cards. I'm like, this is so exciting. <laughs> Um, But I think certainly Um, my undergraduate degree is in sociology and my, my master's degree in order to teach. I've got a master's of ed. But in my program, the only math class they had me take for my graduate program was math and literature. I love picture books and math, but I had not known of the learning trajectories of math. I came out certified K-8, no, no more content knowledge of a kindergartner learning about the number five than an eighth grader doing whatever you know the math of of their grade level right and so when I became a teacher when I when I began teaching I think the assumption is you use the textbook of your of your school and you do page by page of the lessons and that's how I thought math was taught because it's how I learned math right memorization you know I did time tests which I will never do again to a child Um, and so the, the the years of my teaching was very much like a formulaic I do we do you do and and all that right but then I began, I've always had a passion for math because I I excelled at it because I was a rote memorizer and I was a procedure follower and loved school. And my my memories as a childhood was to correct my friend's papers. So I had a very positive journey of like math, right? Um, And so when I was teaching, I always wanted the kids to understand the math, but I didn't know flexible thinking existed. Like I literally never thought in flexible ways. And so Graham was one of the first ones. As I began reaching out for my own professional development, I came across his learning trajectory videos that he made of, of the, the the journey between grade levels of how each grade level builds and extends in that progression across grade levels. I was in my silo of grade five and that opened my mind of like, Oh my gosh, like you, this is connected. Something that I do in grade three of an area model, um, I learned at another uh, training that I did can go to high school polynomial multiplication division. Like what? And so it was my first beginnings with Graham of, of knowing that there is this connected journey and that the more I learn, the more I realize I have to learn. It is a never ending journey. In fact, my tagline on my consulting work is there is nothing elementary about teaching elementary math. There is a world exists down there, and I liken it to when I was a kid. I would go to a department store, and there were these little rides out front. You put like a you know a coin in it, you get to ride the ride. So for me, that was a ride. But then when I my went to middle school, my chorus went to Disney World, and it was my first time to Disney World. <laughs> and suddenly, the word ride took on a whole new meaning, right? Like, and I feel that's what happened to me when I became the math coach, because now I had to learn the trajectory of K five. How do I help kindergarten teachers explore? With the kids, the number five. There's a a Disney world of early numeracy in birth to kinder. Just down there. It's its own world. And then the K5 is its own world. And I'm not sure that's appreciated as much. I think that there's an idea. I know and I run into a lot of work of coaches and, and things who were high school math teachers. Now they're the elementary math coach. And I'm like, but just Teaching I taught high school math doesn't qualify you to do elementary. Like, there's a world of expertise and research needed for that. Right. So, um, so yeah. So certainly, Graham and Steve Limewand, I, I just adore. I, 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 he he uses the term about being a math rebel. And I absolutely feel whenever I see him speak, and I had, I had dinner with him last fall at the At many conference up in Vermont, and just what an inspiring, generous, kind man. And he just, he riles up in me that rubble of like, yes. <laughs> I absolutely adore him.
0: Yeah, last time we talked, he he was. Very passionate about math. And I don't think I even asked him a question. He just, he didn't need a question. He just started going off on that. And we and we need that in our profession.
1: Yeah. Annalise, I'm wondering um, to to Bill's point there, you know, and your passion and your extension with people, what are some of the most common requests that you're hearing about either through your work with NHTM or you're seeing in the districts that you work in with your consulting firm? You know, what are what are the big needs of New Hampshire educators in mathematics?
2: yeah so number 1 would be uh fact fluency that's probably the number one thing i hear teachers say our kids don't know our facts and they feel like it's a stumbling block to do the grade level content if the kids don't know their facts and i want to introduce the the journey of um a lot of my uh, work has been around Dr. Nikki Newton's Math Running Records of interviewing kids about their thinking about the basic facts because it opens up our door to understand what their thinking and reasoning is from counting to additive to multiplicative. And it's within a 10 minute interview at most where you can uh, interview a child. There's, it's a research based progression based on her book. Um, that you can then uh, know exactly what set of facts a child needs to work on. And within those facts, where are they on that thinking trajectory? So we can then do the instructional responses of moving them forward uh, in their thinking to move them into the current content that they're doing. So fact fluency is one of the biggest things that I do in in districts where I'll come in, I'll train uh, teachers on the administration of the math running records. We can pull kids in, we can do it live and be listening to the thinking and talk about what we do together. Those are the books that we've written Um, of the the fluency doesn't just happen. Those are the next steps. Once I know where each child needs to work, now how do I actually do it? How do I engage them in that cycle of engagement of using concrete manipulatives to pictorial and abstract representations within context with word problems, with daily routines to build the fluency? Huge piece. And and fluency is not just basic facts. It extends to all the sets of numbers that they're going to encounter in their whole, I say journey the word a lot. I'm sorry, but I do use the word journey a lot. My, through the pandemic, my husband was like, you use the word journey a lot, love. <laughs> um, but what the power is when we explore these facts, the basic fact relationships um, in, with basic facts, it extends to all sets of numbers, multi-digit, decimals, fractions, and integers. Like it's its not limited to how do I get these facts into the brains of the kids? It's a—it's It's a well-planned journey of learning the relationships involved. In fact, NCTM put out a, a position statement in April um, of fact fluency and basic facts. And it it, it legit just says students should u- learn their facts using number relationships and strategies and not memorization, like clear as day. <laughs> like that's the advice of NCTM. So that's the the journey I go with with districts is to develop that, but it's not just limited to that. It extends to everything else because once we're exploring flexible ways of the basic facts, which is a thorn in the side of the teachers, we're helping fix that problem but we're also helping the grade level content be more accessible for more students because the flexibility uh, is is incorporated within everything that we do. Having the kids talk about their thinking, making their thinking visible using concrete models or pictorial models or the abstract ways, like it 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 changes the classroom as we then uh, engage in that. So certainly, fluency is a huge piece. um and just and not even just again, basic facts, also extending to the grade level content. Problem solving is what I also delve into the classrooms a lot understanding the cognitively guided instruction, research-based problem types. There are 15 problem types that involve single step, adding and subtracting. And there are nine that involve multiplication and division. I never knew that. (laughs) 13 years of teaching. And if we don't know that, our kids aren't being exposed to that. But I guarantee you any kind of assessments that are made for our students, like standardized assessments, they know all about them. And so kids get thrown uh, because they haven't had exposure to the different types. So I do problem solving a lot. And that's where the built-in thinking classrooms has come in to play is as we get the people involved in experiencing those. Um, uh, and just even just the the, the the professional development of the teachers to understand the connection between the, 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 and even the flexible strategies. So I'll ask people a lot, I have a t-shirt even that says to prove to me, how would you convince me that 52 minus 38 is the same as 54 minus 50. No, 55, 54 minus 40, right? It's 14, we can just tell it's a 14. But I've even had people tell me like, you're trying to trick us. Like, no, no, really, those are the same. <laughs> hmm. Because, um, and we're trying to talk about the constant difference. Like there is a strategy that we do with subtraction where you, as long as we keep that distance the same of the two numbers, and we slide it along the number line, we can change the numbers, which makes it more accessible and easier to work with, which means it becomes a choice. So the more we explore these strategies with kids and they get a chance to practice them and own them, it becomes a choice. They can't choose it if they don't know it's a possibility, right? And I use the context of age for that. If I'm 52 and my sister is 38, how old are we in two years? We're 54 and 40. We're still 14 years apart. But so often I find even teachers, because we don't know what we don't know, so often teachers think subtraction is the amount left when we remove things. There's action removing things. It's not also the distance between the two numbers, right? So it's about providing that that understanding of the math for all of us. And I also feel my role is to connect people to these amazing resources, like from Graham Fletcher and uh, Dr. Nikki Newton is a mentor of mine, close friend of mine, and she's changed my life along with Christina Tondevold, who runs a site called Bill Math Minds. They're the ones that that encouraged me to go off on my own when my husband got a new job down here in Concord. And so we were coming down from where I was in the north country of New Hampshire. Now I'm coming to a new place. Teachers are, you know, a lot of people applying to the same jobs. I'm expensive as a teacher. And there were no math coaching positions. And I loved working with the teachers and the kids and having that scale of impact to, to really affect all kids, right? Like like that scale of impact. And so that's when I went off on my own about five years ago. Um, So just the connecting these resources, the vast majority of them free to classroom teachers who are overwhelmed and stressed teaching all subjects in the elementary world, how I can connect them to these free resources um, and make their life easier, but also make the time we spend in our math classrooms, the most powerful and impactful to build the identities of every child and their thinking and their reasoning.
0: It's been great seeing the growth of mathematics in the elementary world, because let's face it, it was not a priority, you know, decades ago, certainly even maybe a decade ago. It, it was just it was the uh, poor. Partner to literacy, and it's funny when you talk about math running records. Uh, there's math recovery. You know, it's borrowing a lot from the history of, of literacy. Mm-hmm. And and lately, what I'm hearing in the literacy world is a passion toward literacy being a civil right for students. Yes, uh, you must feel the same way about mathematics.
2: Absolutely, the equity piece is so important to because it 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 does transfer to that civil right where. What I see happening is the systems that are in place codify kids and label them with colors, and that determines their math experience. They're put in a separate classroom of same ability group, and then they're treated differently because they're perceived to have certain uh, you know issues with and struggling with math. and they're not being exposed to the same rigorous thinking and experiences to see and witness the joy and beauty of math. I'll see a lot in the Facebook groups that I facilitate of thousands and thousands of people. People will frequently ask, what can I give my high flyers? What do you have for me that can keep my high flyers busy when they're done the paper of the day? And I will, I will say, this is a, I love open middle, Robert Kaplinski's site of open middle, where you have um, a, a, like some boxes, you have to use the digits one to nine, only once each, but you have to make a sum as close to a hundred as possible, right? It's an open problem. Why is that given just to high flyers? Why wouldn't that be a rich task given to every single kid to work together with partners to think their through th- their way through and think and reason? Right. So it it transfers particularly as we begin some school systems tracking kids by ability, and you know middle school, high school level having tracks that kids are it's hard to get out of that track, and that that affects their math identities first of all, uh, and their their sense of agency of, of feeling in control of their education, but it does limit their opportunities with getting into college and it limits their careers. Math is embedded in all kinds of careers. And if someone's going through the journey of school thinking they're not a math person, they can't do it, and they choose not to take classes because of that, they are literally affecting their future prospects and opportunities. So I I absolutely agree uh, that it is a civil right. And and the math is a parallel journey to literacy. It's just that no one knows the math journey. (laughs) Same expertise in literacy. You know, I would sit in data meetings and I would hear people talk about the reading skills of the kids and very specific things. And then then they'd be asked, well, and how about math? But honestly, uh, I began doing the math running records. That was one thing I did while I was a math coach. I, I, I met Dr. Nikki, became good friends with her and all. But then that transformed the conversations. Now I can say, oh, this student's working on their uh, doubles plus one facts. And right now they're counting on. I want to help move them into using the additive strategy of related doubles, right? It becomes a specific mathematical journey talk. Don't tell me a child's low or high. Tell me, what are the issues you're seeing that right now they're having a hard time with? I will never forget being uh, interviewing a, a fifth grader on a math running record. And I was told by his teacher he was the lowest of the low before he came in. Now, I don't let any more, any teachers tell me anything about a child I'm about to meet because so often it's not accurate. Um, But anyway, that's what the, in our mind was, he's lowest of the low. And I was modeling it for other teachers. There were several of us adults in the room. I asked him nine times five, just pretty early on, the times fives in the progression. And he thought for a long time. And he finally said 45. And I said, okay. And as always, I'm like, so what was your thinking? What'd your brain do? He's like, well... I have that nine to 4.5 and then that times 10 is 45. I had been, in, as a math coach at that point, exploring the strategy of double and having with multiplication with classrooms of kids. I was literally telling those kids, "You can. Oh, this is a great strategy, but you can only use it with even numbers. <laughs> and this fifth grader who is described as the lowest of the low showed me in that moment, of course you can have odd numbers. You just get a little wonkier numbers, but he was comfortable to get 4.5 and he knew something that the vast majority of fourth graders that I meet do not know is that a multiplying by 10 is a shifting place value. It's not adding on a zero. So often I hear kids say, oh, and then they add on that zero. I'm like, are you adding a zero? And then they get to decimals in grade five and they add that zero and now they're wrong. So they've been getting correct answers in grade four but now that same process is not gonna serve you in grade five. We gotta know that connected journey. So you have those conversations in grade four that's a shifting place value position because of our number system being 10 times greater each digit, right? So arguably the best thinking I've ever had from a fifth grader. Yet his teacher, after months of having him in class, thought he was the lowest of the low. So it's a civil right. That child is not getting (laughs) the access to the math education that he needs. We've got to know the thinking of the kids.
0: Right. Well, Annalise, it's been great geeking out on math for a straight half hour. <laughs> it's not something we get to do too often. What's the best way to hear more about your work?
2: The website is Annalise Record.com. So you're welcome to to join that. And I have a newsletter that I do once or twice a month where I connect you to things I'm learning about, the free things I hear coming up. I'll be putting in there uh the conference, uh all of our, our work of NHTM and, and whatnot. Um and so you can subscribe to that newsletter and, and be hearing from me the latest things that I'm I'm doing. I do also a um, a Zoom chat every whenever I'm free and able to have it, where I'm having teachers experience the different tasks of building thinking classrooms, um, and it's in a very casual, informal way. Uh, so last night I had one, we do, we're doing thin slicing. And so I've recorded them all, and I have them in a folder for anyone that wants to join in on that. They can email me, um, AER, my initials, at annalysrecord.com. Or even with them from my website, they can. And you can join in. I, I let people know when I'm having the next one and what the topic is going to be, but all on building thinking classrooms. So I'm happy to talk math with anyone at, at any time.
0: And a reminder, of course, that we're partnering with your organization, NHTM, for Peter Lujadal webinar on November 21 and 22, Building Thinking Classrooms, grades K to 12. That's a webinar again, so you can sign up for that at nhascd.org. And, of course, our KA Math Conference with Steve Linewan, Kristen Hilti, Graham Fletcher, Carolyn Worcester, Kevin Mahoney. That's March 22nd. Plenty of time to talk more about that. And again, thanks for your time, Annalise. I hope you have a great day and enjoy your upcoming trip to Disney, too.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> thank you, Lucy. We'll see you soon. You will. All right. Well, for more information on NHASCD and our conference series, head to our website, NHASCD.org. Follow us on X. I have a hard time saying that. X, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to serve as a catalyst for conversation and action to inspire excellence in teaching, learning and leading. I'm Bill Carroza, Executive Director, and we'll see you next time for NHASCD Spotlight. Take care, everybody.